Mike, happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh. <laughs> that was a curveball, wasn't it? Just for you. Yeah. Okay. Happy St. Patrick's Day, I guess, to you. <laughs> this isn't a thing, is it? Like, it isn't actually like a thing for most people. It is here. No, no. no see, that we're missing the point on this one. Uh, it being an excuse to get super drunk is not like the thing that I'm referring to, right? You know? It's like, do people actually wish them so- wish, each- wish each other a, a happy St. Patrick's Day? I do. It's my favorite holiday. Okay, for what purpose? Well, as you're listening to this, listeners, today is my birthday. Oh, God. Now, see, look. What? <laughs> the, no, the, uh, 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 uh. no, I won't <laughs> accept that. Because people don't, on your birthday, wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. They wish you a happy birthday. Well, yeah. Right? Well, yeah, I will accept either. Why? <laughs> You're so mad. Why would you why would you accept Happy St. Patrick's Day on your birthday? Because it's mine. It's my holiday. Because it's my birthday. That's how it works. This is so unacceptable to me. <laughs> do we need to start over, Mike? Are you okay? Do you need to do you need some deep breathing? Do you need to do a, do a spot of yoga? Starting over is not gonna help with this. <laughs> You know, I just like to drop these little bombs on you just to keep you on your toes. Keeps mm-hmm. things fresh and interesting. Does it? Mm-hmm. This is just like a marriage. Okay. You need to keep it fresh. Is this how you treat your marriage? <laughs> what you're doing to me right now? No, not generally. No, I don't think that would be a good idea for a long-lasting happy marriage, personally. Perhaps not. But it's been it's been over a decade for us so far, so I got that going for me. I must be doing something right, right? Well... Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I would guess so at this point. I would guess so. Anyway, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, but that's not important. Uh, let's do hashtags. And also, no, no, that's not how this works. Uh, tell me how Chicago was. It was cold. I can confirm that part. It was very cold, but it was also fun. Um, I felt, well, I ended up being prepared enough for the cold for the amount that I was going to be experiencing it, which were just in like short bursts, right? Like, I did go for a walk one one of the days, like the least cold of the two cold days, but where it was still like minus 20 degrees Celsius or whatever. Um, but I was with my, I had like a hat and a scarf and gloves and my big coat and I bought a uh, fleece vest that I enjoyed very much. Um, I feel like it's part of a new, a new look for me. I thought it looked very, I thought I looked like a grown up, which is nice. Uh, so yeah, it was a very intense and interesting experience. Like to walk down a street and feel the inside of your nose and your mustache start to freeze. It's like a <laughs> like it genuinely happened. It's like that is a an interesting an interesting experience. Like that is a that's a fun thing to feel. Would I want to go through that day after day for a month? Nah. Would not. Did I enjoy it for two days? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you know, I used to live about 45 minutes from Chicago, and this was in middle school, so I was, I don't know, 12-ish, give or take a little bit. And I don't remember the weather that terribly well, but I remembered it enough to, th- to remember that it was oppressively, devastatingly cold, and I do not miss that. And honestly, I don't know how people do it. I mean, once you get used to it, you get used to it, I guess. But sitting here in Central Virginia, where it's supposed to be like, I don't know, 60 today. So take whatever room temperature is and subtract like five centigrade from that. Um, and, and it's in March, you know, I, and I'm sure Chicago is like 
four degrees Fahrenheit, which is, you know, like negative 10 or 15 centigrade. I, I just, oh man, no, thank you. I do not miss that at all. Is there an official room temperature? 72. That's, uh, that's why my is that? I don't know, to be honest. I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if it's, if it's decided by some standards body somewhere. So dictionary.com <laughs> suggests that it's 20 degrees Celsius generally, which is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, yeah, the American Heritage of the uh, American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language says it's 20 to 22, which is 68 to 72. So we're, we're yeah. both right. Hmm. What room did they measure, do you think? <laughs> uh, it depends on how old the def- the term room temperature is, because if it's, if it's really old, then it was probably the Queen's Chambers, Quarters, Throne Room, whatever it's called. Mm. It all comes Maybe. back to the Queen, right? Um, so the reason that I went out to Chicago was to appear on Mac Powell users. Well, actually, that wasn't why. I went out <laughs> to support Stephen and David because I was really excited for them to mm-hmm. do the live show. And I then ended up getting brought into the show. That was the kind of the chain of events. Um, I was just going to be there. And then they were like, oh, you should come and do a segment. So I did that. And it was a surprise um, I was not announced. Uh, both me and Rosemary Orchard did that, actually. Uh, so we went out, and then I came onto the stage. I was a little bit nervous about it, actually, because it's not my show, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, are any of these people going to know who I am? Or like, <laughs> like, will it just be like one person who knows who I am? Because it's like a, a different show, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Mac Power Users is Mac Power Users, and I think that Mac Power Users has a different audience to like the connected audience right like sure. it's it's just a, it's like a typically different audience it's like for one is more mac based right where connected is less so um, like in the same way that like if i just like rocked up onto the atp live show i would expect that not everybody's gonna know who i am and in, in the same way that like if you rocked up to cortex live not every you know because it's just like you would never assume a complete overlap Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up being really good and people were excited and, and I had lots of fun conversations in the kind of like the meet and greet pizza party that was afterwards. So that was really good too. Um, it was nice to be able to be there. The The show went really well. Uh, I liked I'm getting way more comfortable with live stuff now. I used to get really, really bad nerves uh, just beforehand. But on this one, I think it helped because it wasn't my show. I was absolutely fine. <laughs> like, I just wasn't <laughs> concerned at all. Because it's like, ah, you know, it's not my show. Like, I could just go on and do my thing and I don't have to worry about all of it, right? Sure, like, sure. W- typically, it's like, oh, I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to pace everything out and stuff like that. But like, less of the onus is on me. Um, but it was it was fun to be... Um, I like Mac Power users a lot and it was fun to be on an episode. Especially because it was like the first live episode they'd done in like six years or something like 2013 was the pro was the the most recent live show to that so it was fun to kind of help them break that seal again <laughs> yeah i totally hear that it's funny you bring up the uh, overlap because i feel like as i do guest spots on other shows most of them are in our little bubble and so it's a fair assumption that people know who i am there is an overlap like there is definitely an overlap but it's unknown Completely unknown at what is the, 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 how it actually shakes out. Right. So, you know, I assume that, say, if I go on clockwise or something, that people will know that, oh, I'm that guy from ATP. You know, and even mm-hmm. if they don't listen to ATP, they, they would at least be familiar enough to know that I'm that guy from ATP. 
But I find that I often, if I have the occasion to go on a show that isn't in our little bubble, that's when I always forget to like properly introduce myself. And then when I go on like clockwise, half the time I'll be like, oh, I host a uh, Apple podcast, you know, by the name of the XML Tech Podcast that has the guy that started Tumblr and the guy that did OS 10 reviews. And I do this like 20 minute spiel for people that actually probably know who I am. And then I'll go hmm. on like, I don't know, pragmatic or something and be like, oh, I'm Casey. How's it going? Just crickets after that, you know? <laughs> it's just. I mean, it should be the. Uh... It should be the the onus on your, the host, right? Hopefully. They should be introducing you. Hopefully. So MPU was good. What else did you do while, while you were there? Did you have any deep dish? Yeah, man. Excellent. Which one? I'd, uh, Lum- Malnati's? Mm-hmm. Illuminati is yeah, how I think it. of that's the it. name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went there. Actually, kind of funnily enough, on my last day, so like I checked out of the hotel and there was like a Lou Malnati's close mm-hmm. to my hotel. So I just went, and I had a deep dish there, and John Voorhees, who is a Chicago native, uh, said to me that that was an interesting move before getting on a plane. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, the, a good point. It, it ended up doing exactly what I wanted, which was made me super sleepy, and then I slept on the plane. Excellent. And I was also super full, so like I didn't need to eat on the plane. I just went straight to sleep when I got on the plane, because I had like a late flight. Mm-hmm. So it all went perfectly. But uh, I... It's funny, like, if you order one in there, like, you wait for half an hour for them to make it. Yep. Like, it's no joke. And I had a good one. I had, like, their kind of recommended one. It's, like, called, like, the Chicago Special or something. Um, And it's, like, a bunch of cheese and some sausage Mm, and stuff. mm -hmm. It was really good. Like, here's the thing. So, I, I get frustrated in general when people say, that's not X, right? So I get annoyed when people say this about coffee and pizza and bagels. That's not... So like people say, you know, deep dish is not pizza because in their mind or from where where they're from, pizza is something else. And it annoys me because it is pizza. It's just not the pizza you're used to. But that doesn't mean that it's not pizza, right? It is a pizza. It's just not a Neapolitan pizza, or it's not a like uh, New York slice pizza, right? Like it's a different thing, right? So like, and uh, I, yeah, no, no, yes. I won't accept this, Casey, because it is pizza, right? Like it is called pizza. It is made of the same things that pizzas are made of, and it's just a different type of pizza. It is a deep dish pizza, like. Otherwise, you wouldn't give any distinction to any type of pizza, right? Like, in New York, you say, oh, this is like the New York slice. Like, that's what this is. This is a this is the pizza we have here. But yet, you can still go and get a Detroit-style pizza from places, and they think that's amazing. Or you can go and get, like, a Napoli-style pizza, right? You eat all of those things in New York. But you don't have Chicago deep dish. So it's like, for some reason, this isn't pizza, right? But like all the other types of pizza are accepted. No, it's all pizza. It's just a different thing. Yes, it is more like a pie. Or yes, it is more like a casserole just in its thickness. But it's still a pizza. It's just a type of pizza. That is my... And I will not accept any argument from anyone about this. You can attempt to argue with me, <laughs> but my mind is not changed on this because I am correct. 
it is a pizza. It just might not be the pizza you like. It might not be a pizza in the way that you like it, but it is a pizza, right? It's a pizza, right? It's a pizza, <laughs> right? You agree with me? I'm putting you on the spot here. Chicago deep dish, is it pizza? Uh, I'm uh, not really. I, I think of it as casserole. And here, let me let me defend myself, and then you can tell me I'm wrong. Uh, 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 uh. But it's not casserole, though, is it? Because like uh, you would not eat if you went to a restaurant and said, "Can I have a cast that casserole, please?" And they brought you a Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> what would you say? You would say this isn't casserole, but this I would is say a pizza. pizza. No, I would not. Uh, so here's the thing. Let me defend you myself for say, a moment. Somebody brings that to you and puts it on the table. You would say this is not a pizza. Uh, no, because I'm non-confrontational, but I would think it. Um, no, here's the thing. So I grew up in the New York area. I have very strong opinions about both bagels and pizza. And in my opinion, the one true kind of pizza has a little bit too much grease on it and is consumed by folding it in half because that is the only possible way to consume it without using a fork and knife. That is my personal opinion of the best kind of pizza. Now that doesn't so far mean that Chicago deep dish pizza is not pizza, but I am of the opinion that deep dish is too far away from what I consider to be pizza to still be pizza. Now, before you interrupt, this is different than, say, a Montreal bagel. A Montreal bagel is still a bagel. Not my favorite kind of bagel. I happen to think that the New York bagel is the one true bagel, but I can still get behind calling that Montreal bagel-shaped thing a bagel. It is harder for me to accept not impossible necessarily, but harder for me to accept that deep dish pizza is pizza. That being said, Erin has been reminding me a lot lately, because I've asked her to, that I should be doing better about letting people enjoy things. You know that that meme that goes around? Just yes. shh, let mm-hmm. people enjoy things. That should be you. And just so, let people enjoy things. And so with that in mind, I will concede that well I will I will happily concede that deep dish is delicious. I don't I don't think that's up for debate. Be it casserole, be it pizza, be it whatever. It is delicious. It is a brick that enters your body. It is so darn it is heavy. Unlike any other pizza mm-hmm. you will have eaten yeah, in yeah. your life. I agree with this. But it is still a pizza. I can begrudgingly accept this. Although I think if we're really honest, it's actually toast. Holy moly. Have you not it's seen not. this? Nobody eats toast like that. No, have you not seen this? Go to cuberule.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. C-U-B-E-R-U-L-E.com. Oh, yeah. Okay. This mm-hmm. is mostly tongue-in-cheek, but also not. <laughs> it is fascinating. And so the idea behind this is identify any food purely by the location of structural starch. So toast means the structural starch is on the bottom. Right, but that also means pizza's toast, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Pizza toast. is toast. Regular pizza is toast. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. Sandwiches are the next thing. So as an example, lasagna is a sandwich because it's got the starch yeah. on the top and the bottom. Quesadilla sandwich. Taco is three-sided. So you've got tacos, a sub sandwich, a slice of pie, uh, which is taco <laughs> on its side. Sushi, it really starts to fall apart at sushi, though. Uh, but does it? The, the, the rice is all Rabbit around. Dub, uh, uh, here you go, though. Quiche has everything around the sides. Deep dish is a quiche. In that way, uh, because yeah, it has I would agree with that. A side, I, I mean, would, I would you know, I would say that like it is more like quiche than anything else in the way that it is structured. Yeah, actually, but it's yeah. not a quiche though, right? Like I get that the I get the kind of the meany um, 
thing here, but this is the same situation. If you went into a restaurant and they were like, oh, our special of the day is a quiche, and then they brought you a Chicago deep dish pizza, you would say, <laughs> this is not a quiche, this is a Chicago deep dish pizza, right? Well, but, but that's the problem well, with this keeps, method. Keeps in the down. same that they said, the sushi of the day, and then it's actually pigs in blankets. It's like, this is not... <laughs> Whilst I enjoy this website... But look, man, number five bonus round. Quiche, bonus round. Deep dish pizza. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's there. But in the same way, right? They've also got key lime pie. Again, <laughs> quiche is the special of the day. Amazing. They bring you a key lime pie. That's not a quiche, is it? It's a dessert you've brought me now. I also like treating a calzone as a corn dog. That, that also makes me happy. And again, if you want to know how much of an uh, intended joke this website is, salad, steak. <laughs> <laughs> right salad oh poutine God. there are no salads in the salad category so do not take this cube rule as serious because oh, the creator so was not serious the, so the, the guy who put this website together is a friend of mine andre arco but he did it based on a tweet from somebody else oh my god it just cracks me up and i want to just state for the record all right my favorite pizza in the world is new york style sliced pizza that is my favorite pizza, right? Followed by like the Napoli Roman style pizza. Then I like Chicago deep dish after all of those. Um, I would not eat deep dish regularly. Mm -hmm. It is like, hey, that is a fun thing to have once every couple of years. Uh, but yeah, so I just want to state, but my point is just, I don't like the territorial arguments of like this isn't coffee or this isn't pizza and all that kind of stuff it frustrates me because words mean things <laughs> right words mean things and if we all agree to call it something then it is that thing if we all agree to call espresso and latte and cappuccino coffee they're all coffee it doesn't matter what one you drink the most and it's the same as pizza so that that is my stand. I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I think it stems from like my general unhappiness with social discourse. And yeah. like this is yeah. one of those things, mm -hmm. right? Where it's just like words, right? Like we if you know, it's just like they mean they mean things. And yeah, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but Do you remember there were there was an episode of Robot or Not about pizza, wasn't there? I can't remember. Yeah, but I love John Syracuse so much. Right, like I really do, but he is one of those people, like you, actually, <laughs> who is like, oh, this is this, and it's only this, and it can't be anything else. Hence, robot are not even existing as a concept. <laughs> right, is like the idea of like John Syracuse has very strict opinions on things, and will tell you them, and it's like, great, I really appreciate John's opinions because most of the time. He is right about stuff. But 103. Episode 103 yeah. is pizza. I don't remember yeah, what I don't he remember says either. about pizza or not, but like, I'm sure it's going to be a situation where I'm like, well, there you go. You know, like, you know, I don't know if I'm like this with my strict classifications about a lot of things, but I will concede that the stuff that I really and truly believe in, like pizza, like bagels, I am just like John in that regard. I think in other things... Right, and that's what I mean. And I think it's like, you know, people got to let it go. There can be a best of something, but it doesn't mean it's the only version of it. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. I can agree with that. All right. Why don't you uh, cheer yourself and, and also me <sighs> up and tell so me about something that's great. <laughs> I'm so wound up. I love you. Uh, tell me about something that's awesome. 
Yeah, I'll tell you about Linode. Linode will make me feel better because with Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud in just seconds. It's so easy to get up and running with your choice of Linux distro, resource, and node location. And Linode has hundreds of thousands of super happy customers that are all looked after by their incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems, you can just drop them an email, give them a call, or chat over IRC in the Linode community if that's easier for you. Whatever suits you best. So Linode want to get you the help in whatever way you need it. And they have super useful guides and support documentation as well if you just want to look something up. Their new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com and the management console is now a single page application build using the cutting using cutting edge React.js the React.js stack. I don't know what I'm saying. Words, Casey, they mean things. And it's backed entirely by our public API. Plus, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you and all of your data safe and secure. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. They have plans that start with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you as a listener of this show. You just go to linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019. You will get $20 towards any Linode plan. And I hear you say, but Mike, what about that one gigabyte of RAM plan that you sold us $5 a month? Well, listener, yes, you can get four free months if you use that code. And they have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well, so you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today at linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019 to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I heard this week's episode, or I guess by the time this is released, last week's episode of um, of Dubai Friday, the Mike Hurley tribute episode. I even got the title. I was even on it. <laughs> I was very jealous. Uh, so you attended a Bernie Sanders rally? Yeah, ma'am. What? Yeah, I'm happy to announce Mike Hurley 2020. Given it all up, moving to America, I've bucked the trends. There are no rules in politics anymore, so <laughs> Truth. I'm going to be president. Cool. Uh, no, I was hanging out with Max Temkin, creator of Cause Against Humanity and uh, co-creator of Cause Against Humanity and co-creator of the Dubai Friday podcast. Uh, challenge each other, challenge yourselves. And uh, I was also hang- Alex Cox was there as well, also co-creator of Dubai Friday, which is an amazing show, by the it way. Really if you've not listened to Dubai Friday, if you've never listened to it, actually, you should just pick it up with that episode, like the most recent episode, because um, it's a very, very good episode. It's called Mike's Mike, and it's episode one hundred and twenty-two. Um, so I was hanging out with Max and Alex at Max's house, and he was showing me magic tricks. He's very good at magic, like That's it's no not joke. surprising. He is very good at magic. Um, I am very, very surprised at how good he has gotten. He did lots of tricks, and I could not work them out. Like, couldn't even begin a lot of the card stuff. It's like, I just can't even understand how you have done this. So, very, (laughs) very cool. It was was fun to be a part of that. Like, I don't get freaked out by magic. I enjoy it. Um, I like the puzzle of it. I like seeing a trick and trying to work it out. And there are, there are some tricks that I could get um, and I can get my head around when I've seen stuff done in the past. But all of the card stuff that he was doing to me, it was like, I cannot even fathom how you're doing all of this. It was very cool. And so we were hanging out and he was like, oh, i got to go to a Bernie Sanders rally tonight. And it was kind of like, hey, so I'm afraid you have to leave. And then he was like, do you want to come? 
And I, th- I, I was like, I, I thought for a second and I was like, yeah, all right. Because that sounded like a really weird adventure to go on, right? When am I going to be, a, when am I going to see something like that? Like, I'm not going to get to go to these places. And plus, Max is pretty, like, involved in politics in uh, in Chicago. So he was able to basically skip the line. Because if it was the case of, because I saw the line, I was not willing to wait for, like, 90 minutes in a line to get into that place. Because it's like, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight, right? So, like, I don't need to be convinced to vote for Bernie Sanders because it doesn't even matter if I am because I can't. But considering he was like, oh, we can just skip the line and we can stand in this little area and we can watch the whole situation. And I was like, yeah, all right. That seems like a slice of Americana that I otherwise would not experience. Because like these <laughs> things don't happen in other places in the world, um, by and large. Especially both parties. You know, you get rallies these days, but they tend tend in most countries to be for bad people or like people that I consider to be bad people. Um, there, it doesn't really, you don't really get rallies on this scale, right? Of like, I'm speaking and everyone can come and you can all support me and cheer along and be inspired to vote for me. Like that isn't, it's not really a thing that I've experienced. And there were like a bunch of speakers, including one of the Ben and Jerry guys. I can't remember whether it was Ben or Jerry, <laughs> but it was one of them. Um, and there were a bunch of like people that were speaking that were really, really cool. Like there were a couple of like, Chicago politicians. Um, there was a lady whose name I do not remember because I have no frame of reference for these things, who was really, really awesome, like as a hype person to get everyone mm-hmm. like super riled up, you know? And Bernie came out and he spoke for, I don't know, it was probably like an hour, maybe. Um, I thought he was pretty impressive. I mean, I don't know enough about a lot of these people's politics, but all I can do is listen to the guy and it sounded like what he wanted to do is make America like a country like many others in the world where like you can have gun reform and people can get free healthcare and he doesn't want there to be Nazis. Like these were words he was saying, which I thought was kind of cool. Like he was actually saying them. He didn't sound like a traditional politician to me because he was actually just saying this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to like pretending or like inferring so you know again without any real uh knowledge about this stuff and i'm not claiming to have any after listening to him i was like i'll probably vote for him like if i was if that was the option because it sounds like he his views align with a lot of my views in politics like be nice to people and like increase the minimum wage and give everybody health care like that that seems like just logical stuff to me. But again, I'm sure many people disagree with that. It's totally fine. Uh, but if I was in America, I would always vote for the Democratic candidate anyway. Um, and I've spoken to some friends who care about this stuff, and they're like, basically say that. It's like, he's not my favorite, but if he was the candidate, I'd vote for him. And I figure I'd probably be in the same situation. And at least after listening to him, I feel like maybe I wouldn't have a wasted vote. So that's my... I don't even know why I'm talking about this because I feel like I feel like I am. I just need to d- delete my Twitter account after this episode goes up <laughs> at this point uh, because I think pizza and politics, two things you shouldn't talk about. I think that's what they say. But I don't know. It was it was also a re- I will say, though, I did realize while standing in that room that this is. Maybe the first time where I've realized I might get shot. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's that's an odd thing. Because as an American, 
I definitely have that thought from time to time, particularly when entering like a sports venue or like a concert. Typically for me, it's whenever I see a police officer. And it's not because I think that police officers are all inherently bad people, um, but they have visible guns. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Like I don't see guns very much in my life. So when I see like just a police officer in a mall with a gun on his hip, I'm like, it freaks me out, right? Like people don't feel the fear of police officers here in general, which I think is a good thing. Some people definitely do. And like, depending on your background and stuff, like I totally get it, but there is a, it's different because our police officers aren't strapped to kill you all the time. Mm -hmm. Not that they will, right? Like, and I'm not trying to say that, like, I totally understand that it seems like the majority of police officers around the world do the right thing, you know? Um, but it is uh, jarring if you're not used to guns to just see them. It's it's very strange, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Me. I can imagine. But it was interesting hearing the discussion on Dubai Friday about your realization, which I guess you shared with them at the time. And it's interesting to hear mm-hmm. it now as well that that's a seemingly a uniquely American thing that I am very not proud of to, to feel like that's not unique. I'm sure it's not unique to America. Um, I'm sure that there are other countries that are are like this, but, but yeah, of the places that I visited or you visited, it's, it's uniquely American. Yeah. And it's just gross, but I don't want to perseverate on it because uh, I, I really don't want to be in a bad mood, but I am glad that you went. I've never been to a political rally like that. The closest I've come to a political rally is uh, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds did a benefit concert for Obama when he was going up for his first election, mm-hmm. I believe it was. And so you basically could line up, get free tickets and go to that concert. And he and Dave Matthews spoke a bit about Obama and like, you know, oh, you should vote for him. But he was not particularly pushy about it he was i mean it was obvious that that was the reason he was doing the concert and so he talked about it yeah. and that was that and that's as close as i've really come to a rally i mean i probably wouldn't go to a political rally either sure, right like sure, under sure. general circumstances because it's like i don't feel like i need that to make my decision like i could watch that on tv <laughs> right like that's where i would get that information if i wanted to get it i i don't feel like necessarily i need to be in the place um, I feel like that in in general, that is a type of person who's way more engaged in politics. And it's not that people that don't go to these things can't have informed decisions. They actually can. They can be as informed, but they're maybe less... Fan is a weird word to say. Mm-hmm. But looking at what was there, I would say it's, it is a fan thing because people brought their own signs. Now that is like, yeah. that is a very like, fanatic situation to be in and I don't mean that in like a bad way and it's not like you can be a fan if you're engaged in any type of endeavor or community then you will be a fan of certain people and it definitely felt like the majority of people in that room were fans of Bernie Sanders so that's why they went to see him because they like him so they wanted to go see him for the same reason that people went to see David and Stephen right like yeah yeah they are fans of Mac Powell users, so they want to be in the environment where they are. They could have very easily just listened to that episode later, but they chose to go and see it, right? Like in the same way that like you could have stayed home and watched the Bernie Sanders rally, but you want to be in the room and experience the energy. And there was an amazing energy there. Like everyone was really excited. So it felt cool to be in it, you know, but it's not something that I would 
do myself under normal circumstances. Yeah, I'm glad you went though. That's the, that's very bold of you, and and I mean that in a complimentary way, to do something so unusual compared alien. to you know, an alien is a, that is a much better word for it. So alien to what you're used to, and I, I'm proud of you and and happy that you that you not only had the opportunity but but took it more than anything else. So yeah, I like to try and take opportunities for adventures wherever I can. Yeah, gotta feel alive. <laughs> now are you moving to Chicago? I like Chicago a lot. Not in the winter. I mean, it's, on, it, it's on my list of places I would like to move to. Yeah, you'd have to snowbird it though, because you know it, that's, that's probably the problem. not. A, is that a term that that reaches across the pond? No. Okay, so in it, this is particularly true of New York and Florida, but it's not unique to New York and to New York and Florida. Um, a lot of people, a lot of retirees that grew up in an herb in you know spent their adult lives in and around the New York area will have retirement homes in Florida, and they will spend like six or seven months a year in florida and then once it gets warm it once it gets oppressively warm in florida and just nicely warm in new york they'll fly up to their new york home spend the rest of the year there and once new york starts getting cold they'll go back to florida and flip-flop and so on and so forth so they call them snowbirds because they're constantly flying away from the snow i mean that would be a lovely way to live sometime in the future like when we're retired but um this my thinking is like if we do move before then who knows, right? But like, I think for me personally, New York is still top of my list, but I don't think it would take too much of a push to make me choose Chicago either, though, to be honest. You're going to need a lot more coats, a lot more of those vests. I mean, both places get really cold, though. <laughs> it's very true. You could always move to uh, D.C. That's not too far from here. Not as cold. I haven't experienced D.C. proper, and but I don't think I would want to live in a place so focused on politics. Like, so focused on it. I mean, I've never lived in D.C. proper, and I've only visited a handful of times. My impression is it is very focused on politics, but there's more to it. You know, it's like uh, there's a lot of Hollywood in L.A., but it's not 100% Hollywood, but it's like 80% Hollywood. I think that's kind of like D.C. in politics. There's a lot of politics for sure, but it's not all politics. There's plenty of tech there as well, but... I just don't know what would take me to D.C. Like, what, what would it give me that New York and Chicago would not? It's comparatively more affordable than New York, probably than Chicago, but it's not dramatically so. So yeah, I've got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but if like, again, if I'm looking for affordable, then I don't go to any of those places. That's <laughs> true. I'll right? see you here in Richmond. But I already live in one of the world's big cities, so my like frame of reference mm. is already in the New York frame, right? Yep, 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 totally. All right, we have some fun stuff to talk about still and looking at our notes today but before we do let me thank expressvpn for their support of this show we can probably all hold our hands up and think and say that cyber crime is probably something that we think happens to people that aren't us because i mean what do we have but unfortunately we have data and that data is what people are looking for and using public wi-fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money and get to your data because if you leave your internet connection unencrypted your passwords credit card numbers and all of that stuff that you don't want other people to have can be vulnerable but there's something that you can do to protect yourself from cyber criminals, and that is using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, and hiding your public IP address. We have easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection super simply with just one click. Then you'll be free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped or on or having your personal data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and it's something that i have installed on all of my devices now so whenever i'm traveling which is 
a frequent enough occurrence that I'm using uh, airplane Wi-Fi or I'm using hotel Wi-Fi or I'm using uh, coffee shop Wi-Fi or whatever, um, I now have that protection and peace of mind. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash analog to learn more and protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash analog. That is expressvpn.com slash analog for three months free of a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. So... How are you? What are you up to? Uh, are you making YouTube videos? Ish, kind of. Um, so here's the thing. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about this app that I'm working on that um, the idea is it will go and look at your contacts list on your phone, and then it will compare, say, the email addresses for each of your contacts, contacts against um, Gravatar or some other services to see if it can come up with a better or newer image for that person. So as an example, perhaps I have you in my contact list, which I do. It, it, this app would look at Gravatar for your email address, which is, you know, uh, I will share it now for the list. No, not really. Um, but it will, it will look at your email address. It will compare it to the Gravatar database and say, oh, I have found an updated image for iMike. You know, would you like to save that image into your contacts list? And when you and I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, you seemed more enthusiastic about this than I expected, which is great. And I hope I don't sound mm -hmm. sarcastic, sarcastic when I say that. I really mean it. That was great. No, when you tell people about something, you want them to be like, oh, this is amazing, rather than like, that seems like fun for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and so what happened was you inadvertently, or maybe it was deliberately, lit a pretty big wildfire under my keister and next thing I knew, it, it just, it, it was all encompassing. And I was working on this app in the daytime when it's work time. I was working on it in the afternoon when it's supposed to be family time, but it kind of wasn't. I was working on it in the evening when it's supposed to be me and Aaron time, but it kind of wasn't. Look, you know, we can all make rules, but every now and then, right? Rules are made to be broken. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and this actually was coincidentally really, really well described in, I think it was the most recent episode of Under the Radar. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but uh, Underscore was talking about how he got really just neck deep into this app that he's working on. And I don't recall how much of it he's revealed publicly, so I'm not going to talk about it. I think he's talked. He's spoken about what it is, okay. that it is a time zone app. Okay, there you go. Um, I will say that I was genuinely angry when i saw the name of it because it is so good and i was you saw the new name right? correct the new name yeah it was it is so good and it makes me so angry that he came up with a good name that is so good for this app i i, I don't want to give it away because it is so he didn't perfect. come up with it oh it was lauren that yeah did? yeah okay so mm -hmm. that that he and lauren uh, i guess specifically lauren came up with it and, oh, God, it is so good, and it makes me so angry because I wish I had a name as good as that for my app. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless. Just ask Lauren. Yeah, I should, actually. That's exactly what I should do. <laughs> but anyways, um, so uh, Dave was talking about how he did a, a staycation, a working staycation. So this is in the, in the realm or in, in the spirit of the graycation, 
where or the Hurley Day or the Hurley Day. I forgot about that. That's also a very good name, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. Thank but you, anyway, um, but the idea is basically going somewhere else in order to do nothing but work. All your distractions are gone, whatever they may be, be it family or work, work or whatever. It's to go somewhere and just concentrate on a thing. And so what Dave basically did was move into his in-home office for a few days and just work like a madman. And him describing his feelings on that came, I listened to that episode as I was in the midst of, in the throes of my own, not staycation by any means, but my own like maddening, I can't get this out of my head work period, which is waned a little bit, but is still mostly true. And, and I, I think he just did a really good, a really good job of describing what I was feeling. And in short, I just, I, I was thinking about it constantly and I am again, not quite as much as I was a week or two ago, but still very, very much. So I'm just thinking about it constantly and I'm going on a walk with the family and I'm thinking about, Oh, what if I did this with that? And that with this, maybe that'll solve that bug I saw right before I left my Mm -hmm. desk. And, and so this thing that when I spoke to you about it, was at best a proof of concept is by no means done. It is very far from done, but it suddenly becomes something quite a bit more serious. And so what that means is I have pretty much shelved my Tesla video for now, which I, on the one side, I think is a terrible decision, but on the other side, I think it's the perfect decision. No, this is it. This is when I've been trying. I feel like I've finally gotten through to you. Like I've had some level of success over the last three months. (laughs) Prioritization. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, you have, I think, a better chance of making a what is considered a success of this thing. Yeah, eat more easily than you do, considering like success on YouTube. Yeah, success on YouTube is is way harder and way more people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is a successful view count for you? Like, what do you consider like a genuine success? I don't know, like. 10, 15,000 views, which earns me like 10 bucks. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also like in the grand scheme of things, successful for you, not really that successful no, on no, YouTube, no. right? No, not at all. Like it's not, it's, it's, it's less like a grain of sand in an ocean mm-hmm. at that point. Yep. But if you can get like 600, 700 people to give you a couple of dollars on the app store, much bigger success. Exactly. Right? Like, so. Yeah. So. Yeah. My, one of my yearly themes um, has basically Hey-o. been focus, and this is turning into Cortex Part 2. Um, one of my yearly themes has been has been focus, and so I'm trying to allow myself, even though the Tesla video is probably like 80% done, I have a little bit of voiceover mm-hmm. to do, I have to drop in a lot of B-roll, I have to trim it quite a bit because it's, as with every one of my videos, I feel like everything I said was perfect and brilliant, well, not perfect, but like brilliant and worth leaving in, and the reality is it's not. So I got to trim, but... It is very close to done. And if I just focused on that for like a week, I bet I could get it out the door. But I just, I can't stop working on this thing. I can't do it. And and that's a good problem to have. And so my current thinking is it will be released. Uh, I don't think we talked about it publicly and I'm not ready to yet, but I have what I think is a decent monetization strategy uh, around it. Why aren't you ready? To, why, why don't you want to talk about it? Because I don't know what it is. Um... I guess I can. So if, if there's it's, no harm, nah, I suppose that's true. So my thought is that it will be free to download because otherwise no one will ever download it. And yep. then it will let you crawl all of your contacts in order to see what would be updated. But in order to actually perform the updates, you will have to give me money. 
I think that that is incredibly smart. Like, I'm genuinely very impressed with the thought process. Thanks. Because that is the exact way to do this. Yeah, right? I think so. Because it's a win-win for everyone, right? Because I don't want to take your money if it's a if you if you end up feeling like it was a waste on on the on the other side of it. However, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking, but I think it should be a subscription, a small one, like a couple of dollars a year, but it should be a, a subscription, not a one-time purchase. Because this is an app that you would continue going back to as a, as a person. And I think the type of person that's willing to spend a buck on this app would spend a dollar a year. Yeah. I, and another thing I've been kicking around, which I'm not sure I'm going to go with, is what if it's a consumable in-app purchase? So translated from developer speak to regular human, what if it's that you get a hundred updates for a dollar or a thousand updates for a dollar? Obviously, I would have to tweak the numbers here. I feel like the complexity of explaining that is like the issue. Like I, I, I agree with the thought process there, right? Like gems, you got to get your gems. Um, <laughs> but it feels like it would be tricky to explain that and then you've got the edge cases like what if you sell uh them in packs of a thousand or whatever and then someone has one thousand and one yeah yeah right That's like fair. i feel like that the the i 100 see how you get there but i think just like a a timed thing makes more sense mm-hmm. um and also like gives you some kind of impetus to continue like expanding the scope of the application sure um in into other areas I think it would, and and again, like it's like I just feel like most people that would give you any money would be willing to give you a small amount on a period of time if it if it worked out. So yeah, and obviously I'm still playing with it all, but I bring all this up to say I'm pretty sure it's going to be released. I'm feeling good enough about it. I feel like there's a, enough of a market for it. Not to say that this this idea is 100 percent unique, but I feel like there's enough room here for me to try to, you know, muscle my way in and do something. And so I do feel like I'm going to release it. I have a target timeline that I'm not going to share publicly that I will probably not make. So that's part of the reason I don't want to share it publicly, but I have a target timeline and I would like to see it out the door, obviously sooner rather than later. And, and I think I'm going to do it. I registered a new developer account for my, uh, my LLC, so it would not be, you know, released under my name like Fast Text was. It would be released under my LLC. I have actually put up a test flight, a private test flight beta that uh, I was hoping Mike would have a chance to play with prior to the time we recorded this episode. But because it's I'm my, so bummed about. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. So I did it late last night, my time. Um, and I am three hours ahead of California. And I don't think California is waking or really getting to the office for another hour or so as we sit here yeah. and record this. And so I suspect what will end up happening is right after we hang up this call, then it'll be available for Mike. But I tried, man. I tried. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, at this point, I'm not seeking beta testers. Um, I ha- did get some great feedback from some people about design. I actually also got some very helpful, and I mean that with no no sarcasm, some very helpful design tips from a uh, friend of the show, Ben McCarthy, who does the app Obscura. Uh, so we'll put a link in the show notes as a thank you to Ben. That's a great app, by the way. It's a great camera app, like just genuinely very, very good. Um, so worth checking out. So Ben is a really great person, and they were kind enough to you know put together this this mock UI for me. And I've tweaked it some, and and I've ch- taken the spirit of what they provided, and and I think it's off to a really great start. And so 
again, I'm not sure when I'm going to release this app. I am not even at the point of, of getting to like a real beta. Yeah, I would say that Ben's advice, if that's where it came from, was very good for you because the most recent uh, GIF that you sent me mm -hmm. privately of the UI mm -hmm. is much, much better. Are you willing to share any screenshots? Because I know you did last time, or is it now because it's getting uh, better you don't want to? Well, I, I said I was going to last time, and I don't think I actually did, if memory serves. And oh. so I think I'm going to hold this one close to the vest for now. I haven't even gotten Sorry, to everyone. the point of a marketing strategy or anything like that. But okay, what you did show was the little happy face, the terrible. Yes, yes, that's right. Terrible happy face. I, you you mispronounced brilliant, FYI. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's a brilliant. <laughs> In any case, so it is becoming more and more real. I do plan to release it unless something really weird and tragic happens. But uh, I don't know when I would guess. I mean, certainly not for a couple of months at the earliest. And I think even that is deeply aggressive. I would expect it would be not until like later, the second half of the year, probably comfortably so. But I'm working on it and I'm feeling good writing code again. I'm feeling good doing something for me. I'm feeling good doing something that is more in my wheelhouse and, and feeling more confident about it. I mean, there's still things that drive me nuts. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I'm lamenting about how this or that took me way too long to do. Even, and, and it's one of those things. And actually, I think it was underscore said to me, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Like, there's no right answer for how long something takes when it comes to software development. It's just it's done when it's done. And so stop kicking yourself about it. And, and I'm trying to be better, but, um, but all told, I'm really excited about this thing. And I don't, I don't even know the name yet. I have a tentative name, but I'm not hundred percent committed to it, which is why I haven't shared it, but, uh, I'm really enthusiastic about it. And I, and I really am pleased. Um, I'm pleased that you encouraged me, Mike, uh, because I think without that encouragement and then the encouragement from the listeners who also have, have written in to say, Oh, please release it. Uh, without your collective encouragement, uh, I don't think I would be this enthusiastic about it. So I really, really, really appreciate it. All right, let's do some Relay Your Feels to wrap up this week's episode. But before we do, let me thank our friends over at Pingdom. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck or by an email being sent to you, but you don't want that. You need a system. You need something to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment that your site goes down in whatever way is best for you, and it's super smart. They'll get the information needed to solve the issues sent to whoever needs it, whether that's one person or your whole team. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable for everyone, and they use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor and they will take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last person to know about your about something on your website breaking. Start monitoring your site today by going to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. So thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. All right, let's do some Relay Your Feels. And Mark says, well, this becomes a question, but Mark says, you decide to become a movie star. And Mark provided the starry eyes emoji. But there's already an actor with your name, slightly frowning face. So you have to choose a stage name. What is the name of these things? The, the, oh man, I can't remember the name of these. The happy face and the sad face, like masks. Oh, there's uh, a name for this. Comedy and tragedy. Yes, thank you. Oh, so what's it going to be? So to recap, you're a movie star, but you have to have a stage name. What's your stage name going to be? Uh, I am looking at your answer in the show notes, and it is incredible. And you've mentioned this to me privately, although I don't know if, I can't recall if you said it publicly, but I love this name. 
This probably come up a bunch because it's a name that I've had in my head for years for a character. Maximilian Thundercliff so is good. the name. The reason this came to my mind is I always like the name Maximilian. Um, I think that it is a cool name. Um, I think the idea of being able to give a kid a name which they can pick their own nickname from is a is a blessing. Um, and you could be Max or I think a super cool name, Million. I think Million <laughs> is a really cool name to go by. Um, and Thundercliff comes from many years ago. I was uh, when I was working in my old corporate job. I saw somebody with the name Mark Thundercliff, and I thought it was maybe the coolest name I'd ever seen, except for the fact that his name was Mark and not Max, uh, because Max Thundercliff is Max Thunder, <laughs> and I think I just think that whole thing is incredible. And Thundercliff is just the most powerful surname. Uh, I've ever come across. So Maximilian Thundercliff would be my name because that's the name that I wished that I had. Although I do like mine curly, to be honest. Yeah, that is really good. I don't have a particularly great answer for this. The only thing I can come up with is that I've always liked the name Duncan. Um, I don't think Aaron likes it quite as much as me, because if I recall correctly, I pitched it for Declan and she was like, "Mm, yeah, no, I feel like. Obviously, that's the case, because if you like a name and your son is not called that name, it probably <laughs> means that your partner decided they didn't want that name right. for the son. Right. So so I don't know what my my you know faux surname would be, but uh, I don't know, Duncan Moore, Duncan Hines. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, one way or another, I do like the name Duncan. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, Duncan. Slam Duncan. <laughs> Duncan Donuts. Uh, Aaron writes, as someone who's considering visiting London and other parts of the UK this year, uh, how many days would you recommend I spend in London itself? I would like to see parts of the countryside and make my way up to Scotland as well. So since Mike is not at all qualified to answer this, I'll start. Um, when we were doing our baby moon in 2010, a full four years before Duncan, I mean, Declan was born, uh, we did a- Duncan. W- Duncan, that's right. <laughs> we did a week in, well, based out of London. And what we did was we had arranged this through AAA, which has a travel agency associated with it. And so we would do a day of London, which we maybe had like one activity planned. And then we would, the following day, get on a, a what I would call a bus, and Mike would call a coach, and we would go do some day trips. So maybe it's Stonehenge, which is overrated, but be that as it may, maybe we did Stonehenge one day and like Windsor Castle, you know, two days later or whatever the case may be. Or uh, I remember we did uh, Bath, which was very good. Uh, we did Dover, which was good. Uh, I forget what else we did, but we loved pretty much all the trips. Um, but we we alternated is the point. So we would do a day, in, a day in London, then a day running around, you know, going somewhere else. A day in London, day running around. And I personally think that worked out really, really well. And I really enjoyed that. And I think that was a good way to kind of do both, to both see the the South of, or what I would consider the South of England, Michael, correct me in a moment, but um, we would see the South of England and also see a fair bit of London. Uh, Obviously, Mike, you are far better equipped than I to answer this question. So what would you recommend? If you are planning a UK trip, um, I would say you would, and you want to visit London, you want to see London, I would recommend spending three to four days in London but plan very well for that because there's a lot to see. So like pick the things and plan it. Don't just like wing it because there's too much. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to see museums, it would take you two to three days to see all the museums that we have in London. Right. Like, so pick your stuff and do it effectively. I mean, I think that a week in London 
is a great trip on its own, but I yeah, understand I the allure of seeing other parts because it is really easy to see all of the UK in, you know, seven days or whatever, or like to see big parts of it, right? Like if you want to do like London and Bath and Brighton and Scotland, like you can do all of that in the best part of a week or so, right? You will be very busy, but you can do that and you'll see some great places or, you know, you could go to Wales too if you want to, right? But like then you're really stretching it, right? Because then you're going to like far flung distances. Um, but yeah, you know, I've never been to Wales, but Wales is very beautiful uh, for countryside and stuff as well as having big cities. But you know, you, you can you can hit a lot of the big part, but like points in a in a in a week or two. I mean, for me, I think that if you're gonna do London, you would probably choose between Wales and Scotland um, because you will lose a day. Right in 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 the traveling for those, but for London, I would suggest three to four days minimum. Um, I am gonna put in the show notes a link that to a list on Foursquare of some of my favorite places to eat in London, um, because people ask me this a lot. So I created a Foursquare list, so I actually had a place to send people to. So you can go and look at that. This is not comprehensive. It is not all the best places but it's my favorite places. Um, if you want to get more comprehensive, like you could go to ETA or whatever, right? Like if that's really what you want to do, like there is an ETA London, you can go to that website and find that information. But if you want, and they have like a billion lists, but Foursquare in general is very good in London. Um, it is, re- I, I agree with basically all of the places that Foursquare say are good and it is frequently used enough that new places still get ratings. So I recommend Foursquare when visiting London. I have also created my Foursquare list, which you do not need to be a user of Foursquare to look at, and you can see all of the information that you need. So that is my recommendation to you. So before we leave this topic, if you were to choose only one museum, <sighs> oh, and okay. shoot, there was something else I was going to ask. Maybe it was an eatery. If you were to choose only one museum and only one... I won't, I won't give only one place to eat. Okay, well, okay, so how about not a museum, but like a historical landmark? Define that however you would like. Well, I would tell you to go to the British Museum. Okay. Because it's an unbelievable collection of things. If you remember that Britain was an empire. Yeah, yeah. So we had arms and weapons that extended into all corners of the globe. And the British Museum is all of the stuff that Britain stole, basically. <laughs> and there are a lot of political and emotional feelings about this, and I, I totally get it. But what is left is an incredible museum um, full of just unbelievable things. Tutankhamun is in the British Museum, as is, the, as is my favorite thing about the British Museum is the absolute like swagger that this museum has. In the lobby is the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> that is the first thing you see when you walk into the museum. And I think that that like, level of swag is kind of unbelievable. They're like, yeah, we'll just put it in the lobby. So, yeah. you know, it is, uh, I think, an incredible museum that is pretty well funded. And I reckon people should should go if they're here. That's I always recommend it to people. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, I would say at least it used to be in the lobby. There was that a stone. It, it goes under enough work, um, that they may have moved it, 
but you know, I think that, that says all you need to know. There's so many. You, know, you look at like the Egyptian exhibit, and then there's all of the like. The Elgin marbles are an incredible thing. Uh, not a bag of marbles, as I thought it was as a kid. <laughs> is it? The Elgin marbles are a large selection of marble sculptures that actually is the most contentious, probably, of everything that is in the British Museum. Um, so Greece won it back, right? And there is a museum in Athens with an empty room. Oh my. Yeah, it is a big one. The Elgin marbles is like a, that is probably the most contentious thing. Or at least is like the popular contentious thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that is it. And one historical landmark, and you can you can define that in any which way you choose. I don't know, man. Like Tower of London's pretty good. Uh, I've never actually taken the tour. I plan to do it one day. But the idea of a castle, like a big castle, just being in the middle of a big financial district, is just a funny thing mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. So totally. If you can see a play at Shakespeare's Globe, that's good. I mean, it's not the actual historical landmark but it is a faithful reproduction of it but it's a fun ex- environment to be in just, like i saw romeo and juliet there and it was incredible so and a lot of the lot of the plays have modern interpretations now so like it's uh the original text but jazzed up a bit i really enjoyed <laughs> romeo and juliet that's awesome i have a question for you from jrn 523 i'm about to become a father for the first time do you oh, have any congrats. bits of advice that you wish you had known when you had your first child Oh, you know, I have probably a million different things that I would advise, but I think the, the biggest one I would say is twofold. Uh, number one, whatever it is, it will pass even when it seems like it never will. Um, children seem to in the first four years of their lives anyway, everything seems to be a phase and I'm told that this continues for most of their lives. Um, until adulthood, but everything is a phase. So that means that if the kid isn't sleeping, it's probably a phase. They'll probably start sleeping soon. But it also means if the kid is sleeping like a champion, that may be a phase and they may stop sleeping soon. So, oh, you know, right. So that idea of everything will pass is also good stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But um, I, I would say that everything, everything is a phase. So just roll with it and don't, don't try to force it. Like we're pretty strict with our timetable with our kids, which I'm sure does not surprise Mike at all since I'm a pretty type A kind of guy and Aaron's at least as much if if not more so than me. Um, but that being said, we still have to roll with it. And the other thing I would recommend, and maybe this is just me, I don't know if this is universal or not, but I genuinely think one of the smartest purchases I've ever made in my entire life was a decent camera with which to take photographs of my children. And even if you leave that camera on auto, even if you just click away when you can, I am so unbelievably thankful that I bought what was, I think a four or $500 camera in like a, what is the name of your camera? So it's an Olympus OMD EM 10. And I'll put a link in the show notes to my review of it from way long ago. Um, there's actually a much newer model now that I just got a few months ago, uh, which is basically the same exact thing, but it does 4k video, which is great. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that this particular camera is the bee's knees or the be all end all. If you have a DSLR, even a couple year old one, as long as you have a decent lens for it, that's more than sufficient, but get something that's fancier and nicer than your phone and use it. Even be it stills, be it video, whatever. 
use it and take pictures because some of my favorite pictures that I've taken of the kids have been done with the big camera. And oftentimes we're done in places or at times when I may not be getting a, a perfectly composed picture, but the moment or the smile or the laugh or what have you is just so perfect. And I'm so glad that oftentimes these are done on a proper camera. Occasionally it's done on an iPhone and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have the means to get yourself a reasonably nice camera with a reasonably nice lens, and for me, that was about a thousand or 1500 bucks. Um, you could have, I could have spent a whole lot more and I probably could have spent less, but get a decent camera and use it. Use it when they're sleeping, use it when they're awake, use it when they're happy, use it when they're sad, use it. And even if you throw away most of the pictures you take, you will get some decent ones out of out of the batch that you do take. So get a decent camera and use it and stay strong because it's tough. <laughs>